Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion. This is Juco All-American joined by Whiskey Wednesday. We're going to be talking about the Auburn game and reaction to it. We will talk about the LSU upcoming game and what you should know about LSU going in because uh, we've, we've both watched a, a good bit of their, their games. Um, and yeah, all whatever other crazy hijinks come up. Uh, but first, let's talk about what we're drinking. Um, we're not drinking because it's noon on Monday. But last night, I went and uh, actually went to a comedy club locally here in uh, Austin, and I saw uh, Craig Robinson, who you all may know as Daryl from The Office, perform. Uh, it was super fun. He sat down at the piano and just like played a lot of tunes and made jokes. But uh, the only reason I'm mentioning that is because uh, the place where that is makes a good Paloma. So I had a couple of those. and. Always like a, a tasty tequila cocktail. Cool. Um, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Uh, so Saturday, I just kind of steadily went through my rum collection. Um, I had some Hamilton Jamaican pot still black, which is some of the finest rum I've ever, ever had. If you ever see a Hamilton rum in your liquor store, um, buy it. It's yeah, they make a lot of different kinds and they're all really good. Um, had some of that, had some Havana club from Akuba, um, and then some old line, which is a Caribbean rum that is bottled in Maryland that I picked up at a cost corporation retail outlet store. Uh, that's a Costco. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I went to Costco this weekend. That was, a, that was a big thing. Uh, Actually, it was my first time in a Costco in a while. Gosh, well, we're going to talk about sports, I promise. But um, I I got really frustrated by the... I know this is like a common complaint, but this is the first time it's actually happened to me. I got frustrated by the quantity at which you had to purchase things. Like, I was like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, some meat and things. And it was like, oh, I'm not feeding a family of 20. So, uh, yeah, I ended up actually not buying that many things. Yeah, perishables at the cost company. Uh, it's not really what you go for unless you're <laughs> a huge family. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's let's talk about sports because we pride ourselves on that. So no reason to talk about trips to Costco. Uh, so Ole Miss took down Auburn, won by fourteen. Uh, final score was forty-eight thirty-four, and. <clears throat> I think, so I picked Auburn to cover the spread, which was Ole Miss by 15, 15 and a half. Uh, and they did very narrowly. Um, I, I've i seen a lot of people, or, gosh, a lot. I've seen a non-zero number of people who are who were pretty disappointed in the game. Um, I don't know if you fall into that category. You and I actually haven't really spoken much about it other than, you know, it's good that we... Yeah, I've seen a number of people who are disappointed in the game or maybe the way it played out. Um, I I think that, obviously, when you go up 21-0, maybe you do kind of reframe your expectation for the rest of the game. Uh, and 
there are obviously there was a glaring problem with run defense. I mean, Auburn's top two backs each ran for like eight yards a carry. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of expected it to be a tough fought game, even though quote Auburn sucks. Um, you know, I, Auburn is one of those teams where like when they're down, they still have recruited in theory a ton better than Ole Miss has, and so like their base level talent is still there and on campus. So, you know, even when they suck, like, they have a number of players who can make plays, and that's what we saw. Yeah, absolutely. I I think this is the first year, and hopefully not the last, where Ole Miss actually has more talent than Auburn. But yeah. very close. Uh, you know, last year we should have won, but not because of talent, because of coaching and quarterback play and, and couldn't make it happen. But this year, I think we did have a sliver more talent. Um, but yeah, Ole Miss, I think we can say this for the rest of the season. I mean, especially depending on if we stay undefeated for you know a couple more games. Ole Miss is a team that's going to get everybody's best effort because teams that are ranked below us you know, see us as kind of a soft, you know, top 10 team with, you know, the kind of inconsistent, whatever. And then teams that are ranked above us are going to say like, well, this is the number seven team in the country rolling into town. You know, I I think it's going to be hard not to get anybody's best effort down the stretch and it's going to be tough. And I I think Auburn was no different. Um, And like you said, going up 21, uh, 21 21-0, I think that that changes people's expectations of the game. But honestly, I think for the team, it changes your approach to the rest of the game in kind of a bad right. way. <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. You know, you go in mentally prepared for a dogfight, and then you're all of a sudden like, Oh God, this is just like, you know, a knife through butter uh, <laughs> for a quarter. And then maybe you accidentally kind of let off the gas or like get a little complacent. And I think that that's probably yeah. what happened, which you can take that how you want it. If that's an indicator of Ole Miss being, you know, not super mature, or if them, if that's an indicator of them having a much higher ceiling than they showed, you know, you could take it either way. Yeah. And, you know, to your earlier point, I, I wasn't trying to say that I think that Auburn is this year more talented than Ole Miss. I just mean that when they're down, it's not like they're Vanderbilt. They have a number of players oh, yeah. on the team who are really supremely talented. Um, maybe they're not in the right spots and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, they're, they're not, the cupboard's not bare. Um, I let's, let's, I guess, break down the offense and then the defense. Um, obviously Quinshawn Judkins, uh, Zach Evans and Jackson Dart combined for, well, I I should say the running game, which is basically those and Dayton Wade. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, combined for 448 yards of offense on 69 carries for 6.5 yards per carry and three touchdowns. Uh, it went well. <laughs> it was it it was uh, yeah. it was pretty good for those fellas. Yeah. Um... Obviously, watching the game live, it seemed like the running game was really clicking. But if you'd asked me what the yardage total was at the end of the game, I would not have said 448 yards. 
yeah. that's insane uh so yeah what a what a banner day for them and kind of i don't know that that makes me feel like that oldness can run on anyone um you know i don't i don't think we're gonna go undefeated or anything but i, I think we're gonna keep every game respectable because of the running game yeah i think the only way to stop the Ole Miss running game is to completely sell out to stop it and uh i mean that's gonna happen at some point and the question is can the passing game exploit the the chances that the defense is taking in doing that yeah and i think we certainly have the right coach and enough experience to to do that um i think vanderbilt is a good example of that we you know seem to go into that game with a game plan of short passes all day and it really worked and I'm hoping we can replicate that a little bit more as the season bears on because yeah, not, not every game, you know, are, are we going to have three guys over a hundred yards rushing? Yeah. I, um, I, I, I would be remiss to not mention the offensive line. Uh, I was down on the offensive line to start the year. And I think with good reason at times, but they, I mean, the running backs are awesome, but that's not the only reason that the that the running game is working how it is. I mean, they're they're doing a great job opening holes and mauling guys, and yeah, I mean, it's not like they're even struggling uh, to pass protection to protect, which was a problem early. Um, yeah, they're just across the board doing well. Uh, snaps are still somewhat of a problem, but not like they were, you know, against Kentucky or Tulsa. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you, you really got to hand it to them. They, in some ways they still don't pass the eye test to me, but it, it, it just, it's kind of a chaotic looking thing they have going, but obviously they blow open a lot of huge holes. Uh, you, you can't have that kind of rushing success without, good offensive line play. I, don't, I just don't think that's possible. No. And I mean, the, the numbers back that up in terms of, I don't have this in front of me, but I know that our, uh, our yards before contact are, are pretty solid uh, in the running game. And then of course, yards after contact are also solid mm-hmm. because of the, the backs that we have. Um, yeah. I mean, I, in pass pro, there are times where guys will get beat and, and that sort of thing, but um, they've allowed two sacks through seven games. I, I mean, maybe three, but, but yeah. three now. I mean, They're very low. I, I I will say, you know, they also pass like the pass frequency is way down uh, relative to last year. Uh, so it's not like there are as many opportunities for sacks. But gosh, yeah, I mean. They, they make it work, and Jackson Dart is able to, you know, feel pressure relatively well. He has some escapability. I think they, they do what they need to do in pass pro. They're not amazing in it. Um, and I guess we'll see as we face tougher defenses. Although, I, gosh, it seems like every week it's like, well, you know, soon we're, they're going to be facing tougher teams. And, like, they are. I mean, you and I both agree that LSU is tougher than probably any opponent they've faced. Maybe Kentucky, if we, 
you know, think of Kentucky at its best. But I also just think that the number of tough teams on the schedule has dwindled. It has a little bit. I mean, obviously preseason, Texas A&M was a scary team. Arkansas was looking, to me, almost unwinnable. That that game, I, I still, I don't know, we'll go over that more, but that's become a more feasible game. Um, and yeah, like LSU is a little maybe below expectation. Well, I don't know. Hard to say. Uh, I think they're a huge wild card, but I think you have a great point. I think the, the conference has shaken out a little bit differently than maybe some people thought. And in a way that is advantage oldness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, until this week, I think that, uh, I was starting to feel pretty bad about state and I, you know, Mississippi state is still very capable, a very capable team. One, one loss to who a team that might be good or might not be as good. Uh, Kentucky doesn't really change anything. Um, but it does make them look a little bit less like the buzzsaw they had been since, uh, since losing to LSU. Um, yeah, uh, so anyway, running game is uh, is is solid. Uh, Dayton Wade had four carries for 63 yards, two catches for 44 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, that is already far more production than I expected him, him to have this entire season. I would agree with that, yeah. And he had a couple of nice returns, too. Um He's uh, so all of his rushing yard is obviously came on kind of jet sweep plays. He did not line up at running back. Um, and he just showed such a good ability to read the blocking situation and get vertical at the right time. Uh, I thought his, his running was exceptional. Um, and then, yeah, like what a, what a cool story overall um, for him. And yeah. yeah, he's filling a huge position of need. You know, Jordan Watkins is um, helping in the same way, but but yeah, we just badly need receivers to step up, and we have you know two mainstays, and then just any anyone else, and those have been the the two other guys who have occasionally stepped up. And and Saturday was Wade's day. He had a super great game. Yeah, um, you know, obviously he had the long touchdown catch where he was just able to get very very open he even had to wait on on darts throw but it just didn't matter uh but this his second catch i don't know if you remember um it was like down the right sideline and it was maybe a third down third and six or seven he caught the ball near the line of scrimmage faked a guy maybe spun out of another tackle and picked up the first down I mean, it, it looked like he was going to be bottled up, and then he himself made a great move to to pick up the first down. Uh, yeah, he's a walk-on from Western Kentucky. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to kind of ex- explain this. Whenever you know, whenever there's a feel-good off-season story about a walk-on who, like, the coaches really love his dedication or whatever, it never, nothing ever comes of it. Uh, and yeah, this year, that's just not at all the case. Like he is, he's not, you know, a star, but he's 
pretty heavily involved in the offense. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to see them continue to expand his role if he can, can turn in that kind of effort every week. I, I mean, it looks really good to me. Um, yeah. And yeah, like what a cool story. You, you love to see a guy make a big bet on himself, you know, and then have it work out. Right. Yeah, because he had uh, scholar- scholarship offers when he entered the portal from a few smaller schools, apparently, and uh, just decided to walk on at Ole Miss. Jacor Pearson from last year, another preferred walk-on who, you know, was really productive, uh, certainly did more than Wade has done so far uh, last year. Um, he convinced Wade to uh, to transfer, and I'm glad that he did. Uh yeah, so other than that, I mean, other than him, no production from the passing game. Jackson Dart did very little passing. He was phenomenal running the ball. Uh, and it's it's becoming clear that the quarterback running game is here to stay and is not just a, you know, Matt Corral was good at it, so they would do some of it or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I will give Dart credit. Um, I think his his touchdown pass, so he had three touchdown passes on the day, <laughs> despite yeah. not a lot of yardage. Uh, the one to Wade, you said he had to wait on a little bit, but I think there was kind of a reason for that. He was throwing to where the biggest open space was, mm-hmm. at least to my mm-hmm. eye, and I think did a good job of it. Uh, and then had an exceptional touchdown pass to Zach Evans. Uh, kind yeah, of a, yeah. A, you know, quarterback draw that he then pulls up and, and tosses to Evans, who's, you know, leaked out running down the sideline and then had another pass, a touchdown pass to Quinshawn Judkins that, you know, pretty standard swing route, but he put it in such a good place that Judkins never had to break stride or really take his eyes off, you know, the defenders downfield made it really easy uh, for Judkins to then, you know, finish his run into the end zone. Um, so, I mean, in limited, Oh yeah. He also had a great pass to um, Jordan Watkins on, you know, the right, the right sideline. Um, he mm-hmm. kind of put him between the cornerback and the safety. Um, and, you know, so I thought some of the throws he did have were really, uh, really good. No, I actually agree. I, 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 when I say that, that he, that he didn't do much in the passing game, I just mean that look, he was nine for 19 for 130 yards. Uh, three touchdowns and the one pick. Um, I, I don't think that he played a bad game at all. Um, in fact, he had at least four drops, which would have gotten him to, what, 13 of 19. Um, and the one pick, of course, was not in any way his fault. It hit Mingo in the hands. Mingo <sighs> yeah. popped it up. Uh, it was weird. The, uh, what was his name? Uh, Orlovsky, right? Was calling the game. Uh, he was like, oh, you just can't make that throw. Like, what are you talking about? What what are you talking about? It was it was a great throw can't. to pick up to pick up yardage that was not like ill advised or anything. <laughs> you can't hit your best receiver in the hands with room to run, like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Orlovsky. Um, uh, I <laughs> I lost a lot of respect for him. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely uh I don't know. Like, I, I feel like every fan feels this way about 
people who call their games, but it certainly seemed like he was a little bit disappointed when Ole Miss did things and very excited when Auburn did things. Yeah, I think that's like an overarching thing that, you know, sports media does. Like if a blue blood football program is down, it's like, this is a, this is an injustice. This is, this must be rectified. <laughs> you know? It's like somehow, I don't know. It, it can't be a cool story when, you know, a, a middle tier program is having a great year. It, you know, it's, it's really annoying to see how like the media sets these expectations for like the hierarchy of, you know, how teams should be. Uh, <laughs> And they kind of let that seep into their, I don't know, the way they call things, the way they look at things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, defensively, I'd say that it was not especially good. There, there were a number of big plays in a good way, um, but a lot of those were caused by some ineptitude from Auburn's offense at times. Uh, you know, ro- Robbie Ashford and TJ Finley are both very mistake thrown, mistake prone quarterbacks. And early on when there was pressure and they were probably in their heads a bit, they made some mistakes that led to turnovers. And, you know, ultimately that ended up being the difference in the game. But as I mentioned, take big tank, big tank Bigsby and Jark Jarquez Hunter, uh, just went crazy. Tank Bixby actually averaged nine yards per carry. Hunter averaged eight. Uh, Bixby had 20 carries for 180 yards and two touchdowns, whereas Hunter had 10 for 80. Um, yeah, it was not good. It was just not good in any way. Yeah. I, I watched some highlights and some of those running plays, I just spun it back over and over and over again. And, you know, I'm not a football analyst. I don't really know, but like, it seems to me, I mean, obviously tackling in general has been poor at times, but the three, two, six formation causes a lot of situations where linebackers and safeties get sucked in because they're trying to like fill gaps uh, in, you know, they're trying to, you know, fill gaps that running backs would normally go through that would normally be clogged up by, you know, defensive lineman or a middle linebacker or what have you. And I don't know, it, it just doesn't work the same, you know, <laughs> like yeah. having those gaps filled by, you know, a safety who weighs 200 pounds as opposed to, you know, a defensive end who weighs 280 or whatever. Uh, and yeah, we just kind of like start to get sucked in and that's when those huge runs happen. And I don't know what adjustments they'll make to that, but I know it's been pointed out a few times that offenses have started running a bunch of too tight sets, uh, to get extra blockers out there and to leverage that advantage even more. And I mean, surely, uh, Chris Partridge is going to do something about that, but what, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, um, it was definitely frustrating that it didn't seem like they were prepared to make a change like that if Auburn started to go like full on, you know, just we're 100% committed to the run, which like, 
Auburn was ultimately going to have to do. You know, like that, that, that's the thing that's a little bit weird is like when they don't have a, a good passing game or a cap, really capable quarterback, like, you know, they're going to try to lean on Hunter and Bigsby. And yet you don't have a pivot for if they go like fully all in and, you know, have two tight ends on the field at the same time. You're still going to run a three-two-six, um, and I, I don't know. Like, hopefully, there's a lesson learned there because LSU did that against Florida. <laughs> like, Florida mm-hmm. ran a three-something, depending on kind of how you want to classify safeties and linebackers and everything. And occasionally, I mean, they also ran uh, had four down linemen sub too. But um, LSU had a bunch of sets where they just power ran uh, and ran behind, you know, big guys that were in there and they'd have two out wide and that was it. Um, And LSU is a more capable team than Auburn is. And Jaden Daniels is a more capable quarterback than Robbie Ashford. So yeah, I think it's, it's concerning. Yeah. um... (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I don't know, do you just want to transition into talking about LSU at this point? Because I don't know, I, I'm increasingly nervous about this game and, and especially about, you know, Jaden Daniels, like you said. Um, I just pulled up his stats. He's completed 69% of his passes for 10 touchdowns and one interception. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, for the first couple of games, LSU was not very effective, not not efficient passing the ball. Um, not like mistake prone, but not, you know, just going all over the place. Uh, and recently they have just been like, oh, we have a passing offense now. And that's not really what we wanted them to do. <laughs> no, it's really not. I mean, shoot, I might prefer them try to air it out. <laughs> as opposed to just running it down our throat the entire night. I don't know, but yeah, it, it certainly doesn't inspire confidence that they have a lot of balance now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. LSU is a, a bit scary to me. Um, before we talk about LSU in, in more detail, uh, one thing I wanted to point out, there was a late drive in the fourth quarter when um, Auburn was driving to make it a seven-point game, and Tank Bigsby had a huge run. I think that was his 50-yard run. Uh, Ladarius Tennyson stopped him at the three. Now, remember, Ladarius Tennyson is an Auburn transfer, so you know he probably had a, a bit of an extra fight in this game because of that. Uh, he had seven tackles uh, and one and a half for, for loss. But this was really consequential because it was like, well, great. He stopped at the three. Like they're just going to punch it in anyway. It doesn't really make a big difference. And then they didn't. And uh, the defense stopped them on first and goal, pushed them back a a bit on second and goal. And then Tennyson was the one who made, I guess it it didn't go down as a sack because maybe Ashford seemed like a runner at that point or something, but made the huge tackle for loss on Ashford to, uh, make it so they had to kick the field goal so then you know it was a it was an 11 point game at that point and that was just all the difference 
I mean, obviously, Ole Miss didn't win by three, but uh, it, it, it helped make it so that it was a lot less scary there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are definitely there's definitely a sense that Ole Miss just needed to kill Auburn's momentum, that which kind of seemed unstoppable. You know, part of that was the interception towards the end of the half where, you know, Ole Miss was trying to run a two-minute offense and get some points, and it ended up with points for Auburn. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's just a lot of things that were swinging the wrong way. And so, you're, you're right, that was really consequential. It's kind of an underrated thing. Also, the one of the cleanest onside kicks I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, maybe the underrated play of the game. Yeah, what a gutsy call to just call it when we're up, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that we have to have it, but like sometimes that's the best time. I mean, Auburn was in no way ready. No, they, yeah. they did not consider the fact that it could be an onside kick at all. Yeah. And I love, I don't know. I don't know if you've heard press conferences and, and whatnot, but, but Lane was talking about how when, when he called the play, he's like pretending to talk to the defense <laughs> and the board and stuff. It's like, yeah, I did see that. It's a funny image to see him like, <laughs> Imagine him trying to, you know, play nonchalant. <laughs> He's like, oh, we're going to kick it away. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about Ellis. Well, okay. Let's do player of the game. So who's your player of the game? Ooh, I mean, probably Zach Evans, honestly. I, mm. It's it's pretty hard between, you know, him and Judkins and even Wade and, and Dart. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give it to Zach Evans. I think he he needed to have a big coming out game. Um, he had a couple of really exceptional plays, and and yeah, that was really good to see. Yeah, I mean, I I know that some people, some listeners, are probably frustrated that we always pick offensive skill players uh, in the in the player of the game. But um, one, the running backs are unbelievable, <laughs> and two, the defense lacks players who are distinctly more dominant than uh, than the other players on on the defense um and we've talked about that before uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing that this defense is full of players who are pretty good uh but it it doesn't really have uh one or two players who are just exceptionally talented and you know game breaking uh, it doesn't really have that that feature um but anyway yeah I, I would actually pick Judkins just because I gosh he's he's so impressive um but i don't know zach evans had bigger plays judkins the the touchdown right before the lightning delay ended the game um i i know that i was on a text out of people who were like well this is just like us like after the lightning delay we're gonna give up 21 unanswered points you know uh and I, i i can understand that mindset but like to me that was very much the nail in the coffin game is over um Oh yeah, because there were what, there were three minutes left uh, at that point, and you know I just I, I felt like our running game wasn't going to get stuffed for an entire drive. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would be remiss like I, I put in the notes like we should just start doing a position group of the game because the offensive line probably wins that in this in this case. Um, but we're not going to do it. So offensive linemen, if you're listening. And you want to be recognized? You need to be a baller. <laughs> like like 17 pancake blocks that are just super <laughs> noticeable. Uh, okay, let, let's move on to the LSU game. Um, 
first of all, before we say anything, uh, I know this is like not the way people typically structure things, but who do you think will win? I have flipped my pick all season, um, and I, I think this is the first loss for Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I actually expect LSU to win as well. Um, if they don't, I think that the the possibilities of the season change to a territory that are pretty that are pretty lofty. Um, I mean. It, we enter the territory where maybe there's a fluky win against Alabama. I actually don't think that Ole Miss can just match up against Alabama and, you know, play normal football and, and win. Um, I know that LS, the Tennessee beat them yesterday, but that Tennessee team's super good. Um, but maybe Ole Miss has some sort of fluky win against Alabama, or maybe Alabama loses another game. Um, yeah, yeah. And if... If not LSU, then who? Other than Alabama, you know? I mean, there, there are other possible losses, but, like, there's no other probable loss other than Alabama, probably. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Arkansas, I'm still tentatively picking as a loss. I think, you know, K.J. Jefferson can really make a lot happen by himself, but mm-hmm. I do think they're not quite as good as we thought, and Ole Miss is a little better than we thought, maybe. Uh, yeah. beginning of the season yeah I mean you're right I mean I do think there's going to be a close game I do think Ole Miss has the better overall resume and has had the better overall season but just the way things are trending and the game being on the road um, you know Ole Miss not being the healthiest um, you know it's not like we have any enormous injuries. I mean, you can count Michael Trigg, I guess, but just like having a lot of our best players on defense dinged up, having limited snaps, um, you know, Cedric Johnson did not play. Um, JJ Begues has been hurt. Troy Brown sat out a good while due to injury. Um, Kari Kari Coleman only played intermittently. Yeah. Like those are, you know, those are our biggest players in the front seven really. Uh, And, you know, like it's hard to be your best on defense when all of your best players are dinged up, especially a defense that asks the front seven to do so much or the yeah. front five, sorry, the front no. five to do so much. Um, yeah. So just real quick, I don't want to go all, all through the numbers, but uh, LSU is in the top third of many categories they're they're not elite in anything uh they are uh in the top third so 40 40th to 60th ish uh in yards per carry pass efficiency rush defense pass efficiency defense uh they're pretty good in third down offense so converting on third down so they're 23rd uh they are not great at stopping third down offenses uh so that's that's good the, the biggest opportunity in terms of what is exploitable, uh, they are 115th in sacks allowed. So, you know, Ole Miss w- beat, uh, beat Kentucky because of its ability to get to Will Levis. I would say that ultimately it beat Auburn because of its ability to put pressure early on the quarterbacks, uh, both TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford. Maybe there's a, a path that way 
to be able to make something happen. Um, Jaden Daniels is really tough to pressure in terms of like getting him. He, he's really good at making the right choice. So he, he is willing to go down instead of like put up a prayer that will get picked. Um, but, you know, maybe there are some drive killing sacks that, that make, make the difference there. Um, I also think it will be a close game. I ultimately also expect that the LSU win, but it could go either way. It's definitely toss-up-y. Um, so we mentioned that LSU ran some two tight end sets. One other thing that I noticed about their offense is, one, they can pick apart the zone. So if Ole Miss does the whole send three, back, rush three, drop eight, right, uh, LSU will beat them their their offense will beat that uh, especially because their running game isn't amazing but they can cause some broken tackles which has been problematic for Ole Miss um, but when they when teams man up against LSU there's a little bit of trouble there um, LSU typically in just the plays that I've seen will look for quick options like they they love the you know quick slants kind of approach uh against a man defense especially when Jaden Daniels requires a spy and so uh sometimes like a linebacker will be devoted there who would otherwise be assigned to you know manning the middle of the of the defense uh in a in a drop back situation um and so they can kind of eat in the middle of the field there but I don't know. I think LSU is a pretty technically sound team, and Ole Miss needs to play a, a really good game to win. Um, you know, maybe this is also where Jackson Dart has another step-up game and makes a difference in, in the outcome. Yeah, I mean, I expect... I mean, I could be wrong. We're We're kind of haven't seen a really bad game from Jackson Dart yet, but we've seen a lot of bad individual plays. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, it could be that he has a a terrible game, but I mean, dude is a gamer. He does what it takes. He's, you know, got a a wide skill set. And I think he has a really good head on his shoulders. I expect him to play really well and to give Ole Miss every chance to win. Um, I just think the, the overall team effort needs to be a little better than what we've shown so far this year. Like if we roll out what we did at Kentucky or at Auburn, we won't win. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So same question as always. The last thing that we talk about has your expectation on the season changed? I think when we last spoke, you were in the 10 and two column. Yeah. I think I'm still there. I just think the the two games keep changing or, you know, the second loss other than Alabama mm-hmm. keeps changing. Mm-hmm. And I I'm, I'm think I'm, I don't know, I'm sitting on the fence about predicting a win in Fayetteville. But since I'm kind of projecting a toss-up loss to LSU, I'll go the toss-up win against Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, I mean... I'm I'm also still on the straddling the ten nine win, um, leaning more towards ten than I was a week ago. 
where I was definitely leaning towards nine or maybe even considering an outside shot at eight. I think that eight is pretty unlikely at this point. Um, well, that's going to do it. And we will talk again to you next week where we'll uh, try to find other alcohol to talk about at the top of the show. <laughs>